When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's up, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Straight Up Sabres, presented by the Hockey Podcast Network and the Charging Buffalo. As always, I'm Brendan. And I'm Taylor. And Taylor, I have returned from L.A. I did my part. I attended the Kings-Blackhawks game in which the Kings came out victorious. Most recently, Vegas loses to San Jose in a beautiful, beautiful overtime thriller on Sunday. Now, 15% odds to make the playoffs at this point, so... Even though I was gone and was not able to watch the Sabres now have a four game win streak. I did my part in Los Angeles and contributed to the demise of the Vegas Golden Knights. <laughs> well, I, I did watch the Sabres, so I can officially say I watched Tage Thompson score his 37th goal Whew. as a member of the Buffalo Sabres, uh, which is more than some other people I can mention ever scored for any team. Hmm. And it's got to be one of the best scoring seasons for someone his height in NHL history. I couldn't think of that off the top of my head. Anyone who's six, seven and had that many goals, but I'm sure it's a very short list. Mm -hmm. And as is the list of Sabres who have scored 37 goals in a season, he's really up there now. I actually, before next episode, I'll probably get a, maybe at the end of the season, when we see what his final number is, I'll get a complete list. But off the top of my head, it's really like what Perot, Martin, Gare, uh, McGillney, LaFontaine, Shatan, Vanek, and Skinner. Is that it? Jesus. I mean, that might be it. Yeah. I think you might be right. Yeah. So I'll have to take a look and, and make sure he's, <laughs> he'd be on the shortlist of uh, 10 guys or fewer of who've had this many goals in the Sabres season. So that's, that's wild. But yes, no, like you mentioned, the Sabres are, they've now won four straight and five of six. So they beat New Jersey on Thursday. And that was an interesting game because it was a, a zero zero game uh, for about halfway through. And then Kyle Oposo had a, just a, seemingly like a dump attempt just try to flick it and somehow Andrew Hammond missed it like it was like a Pedro Martinez slider or something like that <laughs> just completely got away from him and went in the net and then that kind of opened the floodgates Sabres got five goals in about the last 30 minutes of the game they scored three relatively quickly and then they put the Islanders uh and also put up five on Saturday so now that's three games in a row. The Sabres have put up five and they've scored 26 goals in six games after being shut out by Tampa Bay two weeks ago. So unbelievable. Yeah. The offense is, uh, I was going to say getting hot at the right time. I guess you could say they're just finishing strong, but yeah, so it's, it's been interesting. And I think I wanted to zoom out a little bit. So we all remember there was a five, one and one start and then a downturn. I guess I blocked out how hard that downturn was uh, because from Early November until February 27th, the Sabres went 11, 29, and 7, which is bad, okay. I would say. Yeah, but since then, and when I say since then, I mean really the time when the team has been healthy. For the most part, Anderson's been healthy. They've had Anderson Tokarski going back and forth, and they've had Alex Tuck in the lineup. They've had Krebs, and then they've had 
guys like Gergensen's and Henestroza and, and those guys back from injury. And now obviously Owen Power as well. In that time, they've gone 15, 8, and 3. Wow. Which unbelievable. That's, that's got to be the best extended stretch like that the Sabres have had. And I don't know how long the best 24 game stretch like that's, that's fantastic. That's remarkable. Incredible stuff. So there's only two games left now, unfortunately uh, with this, with the team heating up and be playing as well as they have. It's just uh, they're playing at Boston on Thursday. And then they close things out at Friday at home against Chicago, which I will be there for. That's uh, and that's going to be it, bud. Just as things Great are starting to get fun. I mean, well, it's funny. I, I was thinking about this earlier, just not even earlier, just in general, like the past like couple of weeks, when was the last time that we were legitimately bummed about a season ending because of how fun it's been to watch the team. Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, as unfortunate as it is that it's ending, I'm all the more excited for the off season now. Like I, while I simultaneously am sad that the season's ending because they've been fun to watch, I'm also excited for the season to end so that we just get another step closer to next year. But I will say before the season ends, I mean, just to give a, a quick little recap, I guess, of what we might end up seeing, you know, it, it would obviously take a, a nice little two game stretch here for Tage, but it's possible if he just has like a couple of really good games, he could end up with 40 goals. Same goes for Skinner. If Skinner gets two goals over these last two games, that's 35 goals for him this year. Darlene needs two points to end up with 55 points. Olofsson is only a point away from hitting 50 points. I mean, there's some nice milestones that that guys can hit here down the stretch. I think, you know, really mainly uh, it's those four it comes down to. But just in general, I mean, it's been so encouraging to see the play of damn near everybody in this lineup. Now, there's guys, obviously, that we've been, you know, critical of and will continue to be throughout this last week of the season here but in general I mean you really could not have asked for much more when you look back to how people are feeling really at the start of the season and just the general Ralph Kruger aftermath that we were all just kind of I mean the uncertainty you know you lose Reinhardt you are, we lose Eichel early on in the trade, but we end up bringing back talking Krebs. And, and obviously that was great. But I mean, just thinking back to September, just the uncertainty and how worried we were this year and that pretty much everybody was expecting them to, to damn near bottom out. And then on top of that, I mean, you look at the step that Darlene has taken this year and that just leads me to feel like the sky's the limit for him next year. I mean, I, I think that, he is going to, if he has a really strong offseason and they continue this momentum, I don't think that it's unreasonable as just like a baseline for us to say like 60 points for sure, but just to continue to see his game develop and him to get stronger, him to just round out his game more. I mean, he's still so young and there's still more to be had than what we've been seeing and what we've been seeing for the past month or so, or past two months, I should say, has been pretty damn good. Beyond that, you have the step that, like I said, Tage has taken, Olofsson's come back to life. Opozo is showing that he's got some, some juice in the tank still, you know, and then next year too, like is Dylan Cousins going to be ready to take a, a Tage, like maybe not to that uh, extreme, but like that kind of a big step you know, where we start to see the, the production show up a little bit more there. I mean, Rasmus Asplund has looked great this year. Is Krebs going to take a bit like there? And then of course, power too. Like there is a lot of really, really exciting bright spots on this roster looking ahead to next season. And 
again, like, I guess to, to kind of wrap it up, like a, as much of a bummer as it is that we're, we only have two games left, bring on the off season, give me the draft lottery, give me the draft, g- give me free agency trades. Like let's, let's get it going. I'm ready for next year. I'll, like already I'm cannot be more excited. Oh yeah, absolutely. Uh, I think the only time I felt like this recently was the 2015, 16 season. Uh, with the Sabres, I remember they finished with 47 points in the final, uh, like the second half of the season. So they put it in a 94 point uh, pace. So that that was the only time that was like, oh, the Sabres are playing really well to end the season. That was a little bit though of like Robin Leonard and Chad Johnson are playing really well. And how often are you going to get like really good goaltending out of Chad Johnson? Right. And the team kind of. There were some issues definitely there, but there was some excitement too when they signed up Oso. And yeah, obviously uh, things didn't go super well the, the following season, but the Sabres have definitely, I would say more depth and they have their uh, irons and a lot of fires, I guess, to say that they had, there's a lot of, a lot of different things that are going on. First of all, we don't know what pick they're going to get yet, but it's possible it's top three, more likely it's like seven or eight. And then another first round pick. So we all know. As you mentioned before with uh, the Knights, this pick will probably be 16th overall in all likelihood. And then you have the other pick as well. We have no idea where it's going to be with Florida. So that's, there's, there's just a lot of, uh, a lot of different things. You have all three of those, whoever those guys end up being, or maybe even possibly a trade for some of those picks. And that's in addition to, you should have Quinn and Paterka up next year. And then you start to maybe see a more solid timeline on Rosen and Poltapov and Kisikov. Great points all around there, Taylor, for sure. Definitely agree. Um, but I was thinking now we could transition into a little topic that I had posed yesterday on Twitter, which was Pierre-Luc Dubois. So recently it had come out, Elliot Friedman had reported that Winnipeg may be exploring trade options if they are unable to come to terms on a deal with him as he is a pending restricted free agent. He's going to be 24 years old in June. So you'll have him at his age 24 year, all of next season. And a lot of this trade rumors now being fueled is all stemmed from him, not potentially wanting to sign a long-term deal in Winnipeg. So Friedman then reports that there is maybe the possibility of Winnipeg exploring a trade. And I think that the Sabres should be all over this. And I understand that people have, maybe some very fair reasonings for why they feel like it's not something that the Sabres should do, or maybe it'll mess with their timeline, but let me just kind of go through and make my case for why I think this would be a good idea. So for starters, I think that in terms of a trade with him, it's going to be a pretty hefty price, but what works in the Sabres favor though, is that they currently have both the draft capital and the pieces in the system right now that they would be able to conceivably make this move without having to break up any of the core pieces that we currently have in place. And then in turn, bringing a core piece into the mix of the already strong foundation that the Sabres are building right now. So as we have it at, you know, right now at the Sabres team, something that we've really been talking about is it's 2023, 2024 is our timeline for playoffs. And when we think that they're going to really go all, all out and make the next step and going after PLD, maybe on the surface may seem like they're trying to rush that timeline, but I don't necessarily think that that's the case 
because of the fact that he is not even 24 years old yet. He is going to be very soon, but this isn't the sort of scenario where you're going after like a UFA or you're making a move for a guy who's 28, 29 years old, who, you know, you give him a long-term deal and you're going to be stuck with them through their mid thirties at a high cap hit. We're talking about a guy who is, you know, giving out a six year deal or even an eight year deal for that matter would only bring him to his age 32 season. PLD has been really, really solid for Winnipeg this year. He's been solid throughout the majority of his career, but especially for the Jets this year. He currently right now, just his base stats, he has 27 goals, 31 assists for 58 points in 78 games. He has been getting moved around their lineup there, and he has some flexibility with playing on the wing and playing center. I think you acquire him to be your top line center here. Uh, And he's been especially getting those minutes too, as Mark Shifley has been in and out of the lineup and is actually currently injured too. But with that being said, I think he gives this forward group something that they don't have, which is this key top line piece. You know, you have an unbelievable amount of depth in this forward group, something that you have really not had in in quite a long time, really haven't had it to this degree during the entirety of the Jack Eichel era. Obviously, the tank teams, we all know how bad they were. But right now, you the way that the forward group is made up is you have a lot of really solid pieces in there and you're missing that one guy where, you know, as we've talked about throughout this season that, you know, we want the Sabres to in a perfect world, they end up getting lucky and get the first overall pick this year. And they're able to take Shane, Wright, Or they get a lottery pick next year and you can either get Bedard or Mishkov, you know, wanting to get these big fishes that we all feel like, you know, is kind of like the last piece or the missing piece of the puzzle for me guys like that don't really come up very often in terms of like via trade. And if you have the opportunity to go and get that guy right now without breaking any kind of core piece of the mix, while also not giving up any prime draft capital or relying on the draft to be able to go and get this guy, I think that you need to do that. You know, PLD by no means is like an Eichel type of piece where you put him in and this is your foundational generational player um, for the franchise. But what he does give you is a solid quality first line center that we're currently lacking on this team. I mean, Tage obviously has been phenomenal this year and has proved that he is a legitimate top six player. But again, you're still missing that one top six piece. And I think that bringing in a guy like PLD then is it gives you the flexibility to run you know, three lines where down the middle, you're looking at PLD, Tage and Cousins, which you want to talk about power Darlene and Samuelson being big boys. This is the new big boy committee. If you go get PLD and you're running those three down the middle and then talking about timelines too, my last point that I kind of want to bring up with this is that it doesn't necessarily mean that the Sabres have to be in win now mode next year. I think that we're looking at 2022, 2023 as this more of a, a bridge year between where they are now with this, you know, development, having the camaraderie and the chemistry start to come together, guys taking steps in two years from now where you're a playoff team. I think next year in like a, a, a really fair but optimistic scenario, you're looking at the Sabres next year to be similar, maybe record wise to around the Islanders where they're not necessarily a playoff team, but they're in the hunt. They're in the mix. Yeah, you know, I think that being 500 or above next year is absolutely the goal. And I think it would be a really nice progression for this team. But, you know, they maybe aren't all the way there yet. Maybe they're not able to go and get the other pieces that they need to fill out the roster. However, I think that acquiring a guy like Pierre-Luc Dubois puts them firmly 
a right shot top four defenseman and a goalie to pair with UPL next year away from being a legitimate playoff team. One other thing too, that I also wanted to just bring up for, for PLD, as I had said, he's on the cusp of pretty much having like a 60 point year, 27, 31, 58 and 78 games. But on top of that too, I mean, his underlying numbers are really solid too. He's maybe not the, uh, I, I had since learned because I had thought that his, his two way game was a little bit better than maybe it actually was, or the, the numbers indicated. And somebody on Twitter had pointed out that, um, you know, his defensive prowess is maybe a little bit overstated, but that doesn't take away the fact that he's a play driver. His other underlying numbers look great. He leads Winnipeg in individual expected goals. He's been a positive 44 percentage player throughout the entirety of his career. Um, he gives you that bite up front that you really don't have right now. I think that's something as you know, this team is starting to figure out its identity and figure itself out. There's a lot of skill there. And maybe you're looking to bring in a guy like him where he's more of a power forward type who can bring you that physicality on a night to night basis. And just speaking of like the eye test too, I mean, I've watched him a handful of times, like over the years, like not even just when like Columbus has played the Sabres or now Winnipeg or anything like that, but just watching him because I think he is an interesting player and man, like he just barrels around the ice. Like he is so strong on the puck. He, I, I just think that when you're looking at again, like, do you want to put it to chance with trying to find this guy in the draft or do you want to go out and get him? And I think that if you're talking about moving two of the three first round picks, maybe plus another piece there to go and get that guy. I don't think I would really blink at that. I think that that's something that you have to do that is going to help this team take the next step and further put them in the direction of being a legitimate playoff team and eventually a legitimate perennial contender as well. What are, what are your thoughts? Do you think that this is something worth making? What do you have any, you know, reservations about it? Where, where's your head at with that idea? All right. I want to, I want to give you my thoughts on PLD, but first let's hear from our sponsors, DraftKings. Hockey fans feel the action on the ice like never before with DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of the NHL. Right now, new customers can bet just $1 on any team to win. You get $150 in free bets if they do. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, you can still hit the ice for cold, hard cash. New customers can make their first deposit and play free for thousands of dollars at DraftKings Daily Fantasy Hockey Contest. <clears throat> Draft your lineup of eight skaters and a goalie and rack up points for goals, assists, saves, and more. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. Best of all, you can deposit and withdraw cash whenever you want. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code THPN, that's the Hockey Podcast Network, bet just $1 on any NHL team to win and get $150 in free bets if they do. That's code THPN at DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of the NHL. Must be 21 or older, restrictions apply. See show notes for details. All right, so my take, I guess a few things. For starters, I wanted to say there's going to be an obvious rebuttal to this point that you have where people are going to compare it to the last rebuild and what happened with Murray. And to me, the notion that the last rebuild failed because it was rushed is completely overrated. I think there's a lot of reasons why the rebuild failed. For starters, I mean, Tim Murray, if you just want to look at his era by himself, only got like three years, like three and a half years. He was doing a terrible job, but like there was never a time there's never realistically a chance they're going to make the playoffs in that time frame. So that was one thing. Uh, that's more of a perception thing. There's huge failings uh, that last rebuild. It wasn't that they traded for O'Reilly, which was a great trade, which when they traded for him, they got eight years of him. That was a long-term move. Trading for a young Leonard who was not going to be an unrestricted free agent for a few years. That was a long-term move too. 
to pair with Eichel and Reinhardt. Now, where he failed is he looked at this 2016-17 team and was like, oh, that's going to be a playoff team because of something that he didn't realize was changing in the NHL where you just really can't have bums in your lineup anymore and expect to be a playoff team. And that mm-hmm. team had a lot of bums, including the number one defenseman, which was their the big the mistake that defined both his era and the Bottrell era was Ristolainen and then obviously for Bottrell trading O'Reilly. So I don't think rushing was really the issue. I don't even – I mean, I think it was more that they just – didn't, have didn't do a good job. Yeah, they didn't have depth either. Now, this this time around, there's definitely more depth than we can see it already because we're not this tank era team. We're going to be 20 to 25 points better than the tank team. And that's with having a season where you had just random, completely random guys play goalie in the middle of the season, whereas in the tank season, you seemingly couldn't, couldn't find a bad goalie. Um, so this team, it's young, sure. The team you're looking at next year, you're probably going to be looking at Quinn, Paterka, Power, Krebs, Cousins. They're all young. Tage is a little bit more in his prime. He's about 24, 25. And then Tuck's even a little bit older than that. And Jeff Skinner is uh, in his early 30s. And Oposo is in his mid-30s. Like you have mm-hmm. these other guys too who are here. They are also a part of the part of the future. And there's this team is more than capable of winning in 2024. Next season, I agree with you, make a big step. And unless someone really falls off, you're probably not realistically a playoff team. But if you get to like 90 points. That's a nice, nice big step forward. Uh, in terms of uh, Pierre-Luc Dubois specifically, I think it's worth noting, and this is the, it's a huge if. We're all predicating this whole argument or this whole segment on a huge if, which is if he wants to sign in Buffalo. Of course. And I guess based on his history, I'm a little skeptical because he wanted out of Columbus and Winnipeg, which are what smaller cold weather markets. That's understanding the case for Winnipeg, but still, that is also Buffalo. And both those times in Columbus, after all those guys left in free agency two years ago, they started to seem like a team that was going to be stuck in the middle, like uh, somewhere between the nine seed and 12 seed for a few years. They're not quite bad enough to bottom out. Maybe you wanted out on that. And now Winnipeg looks like they are kind of uh, falling off for sure. And they can't make the playoffs unless Connor Hellebuck's excellent, but also they probably can't draft top five because Connor Hellebuck is at least usually very good. So maybe he looks at Buffalo and sees a better situation. I don't know. There's not really proof of concept yet for Buffalo. Or maybe he just really likes Buffalo and he'd love to be here. I don't know. But yeah. That's so probably that's, a stretch. But I mean, that goes just to being on the front office for, for selling him on that. I think absolutely. another thing too to keep in mind, though, that as we've seen, it can have a pretty big sway in terms of guys where they end up deciding to play. He's from Quebec and you're talking about a difference of, uh, you know, I think like driving wise, it's, I looked it up. I think it's like six and a half hours to get to Quebec from here. Whereas in Winnipeg, it's like 24 hours driving. So there's a a pretty sizable difference there. And if you can also sell him on being maybe closer to home, I mean, you're right. Like uh, that goes without saying that this entire situation of of giving up these assets and everything and going after him is predicated on you knowing full-fledged all on 100 he is going to sign a long-term deal here you're not going to just trade for those rfa rights without having that as a guarantee and that's something that they would be able to figure out and hash out and make sure of before making that move but yeah and to your point too a lot of this again it comes down to the situation that a guy like that is walking into i mean you bringing eichel in to a forward group that yes you did have o'reilly and you ended up going to get kane reinhardt was young but that forward group is not comparable to today's forward group, I think, at all. So 
it's not like you're asking him to come in and be the guy and be, you know, the savior of the franchise. Like there are already foundational pieces throughout the roster, obviously on the blue line with Darlene and power, but you already have that in Tage and cousins and Skinner is the 30 goal guy. Again, as we said, talk is in his prime right now. Krebs is about to be stepping into his prime soon. On top of that, I think on top of like just the ease of him being able to come in and not be relied upon. The key piece of this to me is that guys like this do not become available every day. And when you're in a position that the Sabres are in right now, that you have the draft capital and even some of the other pieces too, that you're able to make a move for a guy like that without necessarily breaking up the vibes, breaking up the good things that have been happening this year and growing this year in this current group, you know, that is, I I think a much better play for them trying to, fill out this last missing piece of the forward group again, rather than, than banking on them getting a right or a Bedard or a Mishkov, you know, or even in general. I mean, I think again, you know, as, as we're now getting closer to the draft lottery, it, a lot of it's going to depend on where all these picks fall. I mean, if Buffalo's picking in the lottery, I think their pick is out the window, obviously to begin with, but like, uh, you know, I know you and I were talking and I think we maybe disagree a little bit on our willingness to part. Like if Buffalo's picking eighth, for example, I know you probably aren't as keen on moving that for him as I would be. But I just think still, when you look at our history of picking in this slot and just like historically speaking to outside of maybe some of the outlier years where drafts are really deep, you know, just look at the guys that get taken in that slot. Middle stats right around there. Nylander was right around there, as we jokingly pointed out too. Ristolainen was right around there. Cousins is right around there. Cousins, I think, could end up turning into a, a really solid player, but none of those guys are at the level of PLD. And so that's kind of my whole reasoning for being comfortable with that, that if it were to look something like either eight or 15, and then the Florida pick, wherever that ends up being, I think regardless whether they, they end up magically getting bounced early on and it ends up being better than we thought, or if it's the 31st pick, I, I, it doesn't bother me either way with moving that one. But, and then maybe you add in a, a prospect too into the mix there. If that's enough to get it done, it's a move that I think they should not be shy about trying to make and not be worried about rushing anything from the situation that he's walking into to the assets that's going to take up to get it. It just feels like it makes sense. And you want to even take a further step, further insulate the forward group there. And again, I think that picking up a guy like PLD puts them a right shot top four defenseman and that one B or one A for that matter and goal away from, from being a legit contender. Kevin Entrider or uh, Knight Rider, he, he had brought up on Twitter too that he feels like next year the Sabres are going to be like the trendy pick to, you know, be a surprise team, which understandably so. I think, you know, for the most part, everybody's pretty measured about how we feel the team is at. I definitely agree with everybody saying that they'd be the Leafs in a, in a seven game series. If the Sabres somehow got put in the first round of the playoffs. <laughs> that I will not be measured about, but it's not a matter of accelerating anything going out and getting a guy like this just puts you closer to where you ultimately want to be. And it's again, not having the pressure of bringing in somebody who's like a UFA or something like that, or somebody in their late twenties, like this guy is firmly in his prime right now. And he just fits the bill, I think, for what the Sabres really, really need up front. So that that's my case for it. I say that they they absolutely should go for it if they know that he would have a, an open an openness to signing here. Yeah, so I think if if you ever have a serious championship contender team, I think he's a second liner in all likelihood, or mm-hmm. he's not the 
main driver on the first line, one of the two. And I think, yeah, he's probably better. He'd probably immediately be the best forward on the Sabres if they traded for him tomorrow. I mean, I guess he'd, the way Tage is playing, he'd be right there with Tage yeah. uh, or Skinner. But he also, like, I just think with the assets the Sabres have, you should be able to make a trade that Winnipeg wants uh, without giving up the eighth pick. It's not like, oh, I, I would never do that. It's more like you shouldn't have to because you have the 16th pick in all likelihood now. And then also whatever Florida has, I mean, well, we have no idea really, because they could lose in the first round or they could win the Stanley cup realistically both ways. <laughs> like, so there's a huge range of where that pick could be. And then you have, you know, a bunch of interesting prospects. You have Rosen who went 13th overall a year ago. So you yep. could have, you could give them the, a guy that went 13th a year ago, the 16th pick and maybe like the 25th pick. And they're going to say, no, like, I don't think they would. That's fair. Yeah. I, I mean, I agree. I, I think that looking at that, that is absolutely a fair deal. And again, though, I guess my whole point is like, if it comes down to it and they're like, we're not going to do this unless it's the eighth pick instead of the 16th pick. Okay. That's fine. Just do it. I, I, he's good enough where I think that that shouldn't be something that keeps you from it. And to that end too, to your point, I agree in the fact that he's not, again, like he's not like we're like an elite guy. Like he is in, I think the category of really, really good with maybe still room to grow there too. But again, when you're talking about the depth that we currently have in the top nine and what you'd be able to roll down the middle in the wing matchups too, that you'd be, or the wing um, partners and flexibility that you would be able to have there, you know, what, who knows? Like, what if it's a, a similar scenario? I mean, he's, he's looked great. I think he's played with Kyle Connor a good amount this year, which like, you're not going to find much better <laughs> wingers to pair up with a center than a guy like Kyle Connor, but um, bringing him in here. I, I just think that rather than having like that guy, like the guy at the top of the lineup, if you're just able to roll three really, really good lines where each line has a, a one or two legit play drivers on it, I, I'm fine with that being the makeup of this team until a, a time comes where they're somehow able to go out and acquire a guy who's like that high end kind of player. It, it just, I think for what is going to be available, who is going to be available coming up and in the next couple of years and, and, you know, things can change in an instant, who knows, maybe this is a whole conversation is for nothing because he ends up wanting to resign. Maybe, you know, there would never be the possibility of here coming of him coming here in the first place. Maybe there's even another guy too, who's going to pop up, who pop up, who ends up being a, a better fit because they're available. It does happen from time to time, but uh, a guy like that being publicly available in, in this way, it's every off season, it's not something that happens very frequently. And so I hope that at least they would, would kick the tires on that. And if there's any openness to it, that Adams would be aggressive and wanting to go and get a guy like that. Yeah, no, I agree. And uh, I, I will say though, for the record that I think uh, I'm leaning towards the original thing that this just isn't an option because he isn't interested in signing here. So it's not no, that's super fair. worth trading him, but you, know, you have the money, it, this, though. You have the cap space to pay the man what he wants. True. And I guess the other thing to say is that this general principle just applies to other guys who might be available. I feel like there's at least that offseason, there's there's one guy that either doesn't like his fit or the team doesn't like the fit with him, and he could make that happen. Maybe even a guy that's under contract. Who knows? So yeah. just, just that I, I genuinely support a trade like this, and I'm not worried about whatever. 
rushing the timeline. Because as we said, there's no there's no rushing going on if you're trading for a young fella. Right. Right. Uh, a fine big young fella like like that. I think we need more we need more Frenchmen on the team too. I want a guy named Pierre on our team. Yeah, it harkens back to the days of Jean Luc Grand Pierre. See exactly. Yeah, we have, have a they, Sabres had a good French player in a while. Mm. I'm blanking. I don't remember any. That's a good question. I don't think Briere was. He was Montreal, right? Like he wasn't. Yeah, but he didn't Canadian, like Canadian though. He didn't seem to like speak French as a first language, though. You know. Hmm. This is something we should look into. Who was the last good French player for the Sabres, French-Canadian player? Yeah, obviously we have a, a rich history of it, but that's quite that's a while. That's what I mean, yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Huh. Interesting right. question. Well, tweet at us if you remember someone that we forgot. Yeah, please do. Please do. Any last thoughts you'd like to share, Taylor? I mean, the next time we record, it'll be coming out on Thursday, just ahead of the Sabres' last two games. So we'll be able to discuss the end of the year a bit more. And then, you know, our episode a week from now, we'll be able to give more of a, a full, well-rounded recap of the year. But any other thoughts you'd like to share before we call it for a day? Well, we should probably shout out Guy Lafleur and Mike Bossy. Yeah. Uh, dying in the same week, which is kind of crazy. So they both pretty young to, to be dying very very sad. Mike Bossy, uh, if you're not familiar, like look at his hockey reference page. It's unbelievable. He, I think he finished with 573 career goals, even though he only played 10 seasons. And basically his 10th season, he was injured. He had a, a super bad back. So he had like nine years where he racked up like almost all those goals, like well over 500 goals in his first nine years. He was like, I think a six times 60 goal score overshadowed a little bit because well, not overshadowed, I guess I would say, because he won four cups, but I guess you would say quickly forgotten as a goal scorer because he shared an era with Gretzky, who uh, often led the league in goals at that time and broke all those records. But Bossy, yeah, Bossy, four-time Stanley Cup champion, and Guy Lafleur, I think maybe five times. And I think if I'm not mistaken, those two combined, their teams combined to win eight straight cups Jesus. between 76 and 83, right before the Edmonton dynasty kicked off. Uh, I think if I'm not mistaken, Montreal won the cup in 73 and then 76 through 79. And he was the best player uh, on those teams and considered the best player in the NHL. And then right after that, I would say the guy that would take the mantle next was probably bossy, at least the best forward. Cause that's also right around Esposito's in that time period as well. So he'd probably have something to say about it, but yeah, that's it's uh, to lose both those guys in the same week. You know, a lot of, a lot of uh, history right there. And a lot, a lot of goals, frankly, uh, between those two guys. And Bossy is on the, the long, long list of great NHL players before 1990 who uh, were just incredible until the age of 30 and then just had to stop playing because of injury reasons. And he might be the best out of all those guys. The second best to Bobby Orr, actually. Mm. Yeah, yeah, definitely. No, couldn't agree more. Really, really sad to lose two legends of the game like that in the same week. It was... Really, 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 really sad Sad news to hear. Very unfortunate. Yeah, tough week for the hockey world. For but, sure. Uh, do you have any recommendations or anything like that? <laughs> Go visit California. <laughs> that, is, <laughs> that is my recommendation, man. That trip was, you know, it, it, it's funny. Like, I didn't realize how much I needed a, a trip like that until I was actually there. 
and the weather wasn't even the best too. Like I, it was funny, like kind of ironic. I leave on Sunday when it was like mid eighties there, but the entire time I was there, it was like high sixties, not complaining about that whatsoever, but it was kind of windy and stuff. So it wasn't really like optimal for like beach days or anything like that, but I did not let that stop me. I, the, the first day I got in, it was awesome. Um, I ended up going to a concert that night downtown at a theater called the Mayan, um, saw a band called Crumb, which I think I've given them as a recommendation before, but they were excellent, really cool venue. Um, then the next day though, I ended up waking up in the morning and just like went out by myself because my friend had to work and just had like a, just hung out at the beach for like four hours. And oh, wow. it was, I, I brought my headphones with me listen to music. I was reading, I did some writing for like some lyric stuff for my band. Um, and it would happen like so frequently that like, I, I would just stop and kind of like look around me and just like the, the general just sense of overwhelming peace that I had sitting on a beach in front of the Pacific ocean while to my left, I posted the picture on my Instagram, Taylor. It was like the second picture was that was from that day where it's like this mountain of like all of these beautiful houses, like overhanging, like looking over like the beach and just like having that view. I mean, it was it just, I kept having these like pinch me moments where I was like, my God, I, I don't think that my life has felt this much peace in such a long time. Um, I mean, it was just awesome. Like just a really remarkable place, really beautiful. Then otherwise other stuff I did too. I ended up going to the Kings game, which was really cool. Very awesome to be at Staples center and being there for all the history of that, getting to see the statues that they have out in front, which again, man, oh man, oh man, Sabres make alumni Plaza, just have a bunch of statues of like the most famous players in Sabres history, throw Bob McAdoo up there too. Like, you know, Hashik should have a statue. Like I said, McAdoo can have one. Um, shit, give RJ one even. Like, whatever. They need to build that out, though, and just have more, like, put put a LaFontaine one in there. I know that they're good pals right now, but it's just the general premise of it. Like, yeah. getting to, like, walk into the arena and just having, like, to my left, oh, there's Magic Johnson, there's Luke Robitaille, there's Kareem, there's Shaq, there's Wayne Gretzky, like, it is so cool. It was just special, like just being able to like be there and just be within all of the history, getting to look and seeing like the retired numbers and everything too. Um, it, it was really, really cool. Very, very much enjoyed getting to do that. But honestly, yeah, my favorite parts were really just not even necessarily like the parts spent downtown. Like I got to go check out like the Venice Boardwalk and like the Santa Monica Pier, both of which were really, really cool. You know, it, it just any expectations were lived up to and exceeded. Um, I, I can't recommend it enough. Like, I just feel I, I went from Wednesday and I uh, left on Wednesday. I got there in like the afternoon and then I got back here, um, you know, yesterday evening, uh, Sunday evening around like 530. So I had unfortunately leave really early on Sunday and didn't get to, you know, enjoy much of the day then. But um, it just feels like my batteries are just fully recharged after that just it, it was a fantastic trip fantastic time really really cool place cannot recommend it enough like if you haven't been and you're looking for somewhere that you want to visit or you want to you know go get some sunshine go to the LA area because you will absolutely not regret it the Staples Center Plaza is so cool and like what they do with it, it's not even just that they have all these statues it's like what they do with them you know, the magic one is him, like, very obviously leading a break. Like, he's dribbling the ball and, like, pointing someone. The Shaq one, 
it's like him Crazy. dunking and they have like the hoop and everything those ones are it's so cool like what they've done yeah i agree the sabers need to do a little bit more with alumni plaza probably starting with a knox statue yeah the knock yeah there you go see there's another one there and then going on johnny tavares one there too like you you honestly yeah yeah. why not you they absolutely should we should talk more about that in the off season like let's come up with like a full game plan for what alumni plaza should look like yeah that could be a a lot less vacant so the other thing uh let's see so yeah california is really cool so glad you got to experience that my recommendation is very similar uh i saw the the unbearable weight of massive talent Oh my God. How was it? It was really fun. It was a great time. Really? Oh, good. Nicholas Cage fella. He's a, he's a good time. So that was, yeah, it was, it was worth seeing. Honestly, it's pretty funny. I didn't know super what to expect. Like if there was going to be a lot of other people that were just playing themselves, but it it was just him playing himself. Everyone else was fictionalized. Oh, so I I believe including his wife and daughter, I would imagine. Uh, He also is um, having another kid. It was announced this week, so big week for Nicolas Cage. Jesus, how old is he now? <laughs> like 60. Damn. Uh, probably older than 60, yeah. His uh, wife is not 60. So, yeah. Uh, but yeah, his agent is Neil Patrick Harris was good. Pedro Pascal was hilarious. He's awesome. Ugh. And then two CIA agents were uh, Ike Barinholtz and Tiffany Haddish. So that was obviously oh very God. funny as well. So yeah, it was a funny movie. It was a good time. Like a lot of, a lot of not so subtle cultural commentary in there. Um, really more like the state of movies in these days Mm, mm. so things like that so that was good it was a good time i recommend seeing it it's a good time at the movies very cool very nice no morbius yet no still no morbius the shame jared leto's waiting for you what did jared leto just get cast in i don't want to know oh man it was something surprising it was another movie where he gets to do a crazy accent i'm pretty sure if it's an Italian one, maybe I'll see it. Otherwise, I don't want it. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, this week, hopefully, I'm going to not take a trip to L.A., but kind of take a trip to L.A. and see Ambulance. So mm. we'll see if I have time for that. Very cool. Very cool. Who's your random Sabres player of the episode? Um, Jean-Luc Grandpierre. Ooh, that's that's a good one. We we love some, some JLGP. Um, <laughs> all right. I will go with. I'm going to go with Donald Aldette. Oh, yeah. Yeah. All right. Oh, yes. Oh, yes, yes, yes. All right, everybody. Well, hey, thanks so much for tuning into this episode of Straight Up Sabres presented by the Hockey Podcast Network and the Charging Buffalo. Make sure you're checking out both of the presenters of this podcast on their respective websites, whatever streaming platform you're currently using, and follow them on social media. Also, make sure you're following us on social media. You can find us Straight Up Sabres on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And make sure whatever streaming platform, again, you're currently using, you are subscribed or following us. And if you're using Apple or any of the other ones that allow you to leave recommendations or reviews, Make sure you give us a nice one. We would very much appreciate it. Um, on that note, too, it's kind of funny, Taylor, I because I forgot that that was even like a thing. And I went and checked on Apple and somebody left us like a three-star review. And we're like, this was like, it was during, it was right after like a Kruger game, like last year, I'm pretty sure. And the comment was something to the effect of like, <laughs> is it necessary to scream so much or something like that? <laughs> and I was, uh, at that time it was i feel like you and i haven't really gotten real worked up about something in a while so 
No. But either way, that aside, go leave us a review. We'd very much appreciate it. Uh, and then also, again, make sure you are checking out DraftKings if you are interested in using that promo code THPN at checkout to take advantage of great deals. We will be back again, as I had said, with a brand new episode on Thursday that will be detailing the last two games of the year. But in the meantime, have a great start to your week, everybody. This has been Straight Up Sabres.